Each year around this time, we want to make it a real point uh, to celebrate and to uh, thank and honour the people that serve us every year. Because I don't know if you are aware of this, but without lots of people serving us, we just wouldn't be able to put on any of our meetings or events even whether or not it's connected to Sunday, even life groups take a lot of organisation and planning, especially meals. We often have meals together. And so life group leaders are involved in serving week in, week out. Yeah? So, yeah, some of us more than others. Um, but, you know, I don't want to... Yeah, I was, I was talking about me, yes. Um, my wife serves very hard organising food and does a great job. And she's actually serving at the moment in kids' work, so there you go. But I don't want us to take people for granted, and uh, especially in the kind of culture that we're trying to build as a church, a culture of honour, where honouring others is something that we're determined to make central to everything that we do. So I think this is right. I think it's right to take this time each year to just stop and thank people and honour them in that way. And I think it's right and it pleases the Lord, actually. I think it, he's happy about it too. So I want us to celebrate some of the great people that God has given us. We've got some real servants amongst us, and actually some true heroes of the church. I was hoping Margaret Green would be here. I mean, she is one of my all-time great heroines. Apparently, guys, while she's not here, she'll listen on the tape, so I'll have to be careful what I say, but... <laughs> She's going to be 80 next year, and I tell you, she serves most, she serves more than most of us. I had to send her home last week because she was serving to death, and I was actually worried about her. But she's amazing, Margaret Green. Talking about heroes, haven't we had an amazing summer with the Olympics? You know, it, it's blown me away, actually. You think about England as this tiny little country and yet they come third in all of the Olympics compared to, to USA, who were first place, China and the UK. And you think, wow, that is incredible. Well, what about the Paralympics? Did you see what happened there? China, Russia, UK again. And where's America? Sixth. That great big country. I think it's just absolutely incredible. And so is it any wonder that... Our athletes were greeted on the streets of London last week, last week with such cheers and emotion, shouts of praise and smiles. I mean, they're quite remarkable scenes. I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of that. I've got to say, I'm not normally much of a sports fan. I don't really like sporting metaphors. Okay. But this has really inspired me. It's really inspired me this whole season to see the effect of these wins on our population. The change that's made British people smiling, you know, walking down the streets, smiling for no apparent reason. It's just absolutely incredible. I I found myself a bit sucked into the whole thing, and I've got to admit that when I heard Boris Johnson's speech, I even got a little bit misty-eyed. I don't know if you heard that, particularly near the end, about how great the British were. Yes, we are. We're amazing. (laughs) Absolutely incredible. I love that speech. And then to cap it all, a Scotsman comes up, Trumps. Andy Murray, hey? 
wow, isn't that amazing? So anyway, it's great to be British at the moment, isn't it? And uh, it's been a really great summer. Now, what, why did I say all that? Well, you know that pride and that celebration that we've witnessed has been such an example to us. I want that, I want to capture the spirit of that somehow for how we thank and celebrate people in our church for the way that we, they serve us. Because it's been a really great year for us as a church in serving, in this whole area of serving as well. We've moved premises, and it's been a huge challenge actually. There's been lots of people involved in that. There's been lots of extra work setting up, uh, trying to organise where things go. There's been stuff going on outside of meetings, trying to organise things. The first day we came here, there were people here from the earliest hours to the latest hours, just trying to work out where everything went. It's been absolutely fantastic. It's still a bit up in the air. We're still trying to work some things out. Uh, Different rotors are being sorted out at the moment. And then the food bank initiative was Rebecca Hales. She's not here. I mean, that was just great to see that started as well amongst us, that way of serving people who who haven't got any food, who are really in need in our community. I think that's magnificent. It's fantastic. It's an initiative that Rebecca felt God speak to her about. She says, I've got to do this. I don't care if anybody else does it, but I've got to do it. And I think that's the kind of spirit we want to see, people taking that kind of responsibility. It's absolutely wonderful. And it's been great to welcome Becky as well, hasn't it, to head up the kids' work for us. And there's some really great things going on in Jubilee Kids. I'm privy to some of the adventure of what's going on uh, there. A new group is being started at the moment, which is a real step of faith. We haven't quite got everything that we need or everyone that we need to make that happen. But it's being started. And there's toast. There is toast, ladies and gentlemen. Children are fed toast and it keeps them most happy. That's absolutely wonderful. So I think we've got a whole load of Jubilee heroes who are more than deserving of a few gold medals. People who work hard for us week to week, sometimes publicly, but often behind the scenes. And I'm going to break that all down for you a bit later, and I want to get different people to share about what they do in the church, and it will give give us the opportunity to thank them and thank the others on their team, such as are here today. Uh, and I want us to cheer like they're athletes, Olympian athletes, okay? Right, but first of all, I just want to say uh, I am prone to forgetting names. Detail is not my thing, and I forget people, but please don't take it personally. If I forget to mention you today, I really do appreciate and love you, okay? So I don't want you to go out of here insecure, thinking Rob just doesn't care, neither does Steve. Nobody's here to remind me because Alison's in kids' work. Okay. I'm going to talk for a very short time, which you'll be glad to know, and then we've got a load of other people to share as well. But I want to talk briefly about what is serving, because serving is not just about doing menial tasks, it's primarily about being like Jesus. In serving, we follow his example. And Jesus said this staggering thing. He said, for the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. He didn't come. He says, I didn't come to be served. I just think that's mind-blowing. The King of kings and the Lord of lords didn't come to be served by us. He didn't. He says, I didn't come for that reason. I came to serve you. Now, I don't know about you. If I was that powerful, 
if I was that rich, if I was that mad about some of the things that people have done in the past, I think I'd have a few things to say to people, and I certainly want them doing what I told them to do. But Jesus isn't like that. As we've already heard from prophetic words and everything that's come through today, Jesus has come to model a different kind of kingship. He's come to model a kind of servant king. It's absolutely wonderful. Jesus showed us a God who came looking for us rather than demanding that somehow we got to him. Isn't that good news? Jesus came to serve us, not to be served, to free us, to comfort us and to show his love to us. In fact, Jesus said that there is no greater love that I could show any of you than what I'm about to do. He says, I'm going to lay down my life for you, my friends. There's no greater love that I can show you. And he says, I want you to do the same. This is the example that I will give you. And he said, it was by this that all men will know that you you are my disciples. Because we love each other like that. We've got that kind of love for one another where we lay down our lives, where we serve each other in that way. And he says that I want you to serve each other from the least to the greatest, not to make any distinction. And and James writes about this so wonderfully in the book of James. He talks about the way that we treat people from different backgrounds and different stages and places in life. There's this wonderful equality (laughs) In the Bible. It says, from the least to the greatest, I want you to treat them as if they're me. Think about that. To think about that as if, he says, that when you do these things, you do them, when you do them for the least of these, my brothers, you do it for me. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And you think, well, what? I don't remember seeing you, Jesus. I just remember that I did that for that person. He said, well, you did it for me when you did it for the least of these. And it's amazing to think that when we do these practical, down-to-earth things for our brothers and sisters, that we're doing them for him. And so if you want to be like Jesus, and you love the church, then you're going to want to serve the least to the greatest. And Jesus wants all of us to be servants in the model of his servanthood to us. So serving is not just about doing menial jobs, it's about being like Jesus. And serving is also an attitude of heart, not just a list of jobs. I want to read to you in Philippians chapter 2. Just turn to that if you've got your Bibles with you. Philippians chapter 2. It's quite a long reading, but I think it's worth it. If I can find Philippians, it seems to have disappeared. Here it goes. I'm going to read verses 1 to 11. Paul writes this. He says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion... Anybody? That means I'm a Christian. (laughs) If any of you are Christians... 
Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you Christians should look out not only for your own interests, but also to the interests of others. In fact, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being humbled, found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross." Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, in heaven and on earth and under the the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Wonderful. Jesus is our example in this of the most perfect attitude that God wants for us in serving. He says, Paul says, let this be your attitude, let it be your disposition, your approach to life. This is, this is deeper than feelings, do you understand, attitude. It's deeper than how I feel or even guilt. So often we can serve out of a sense of guilt It's deeper than that. He says, let this be your attitude. Let it be the conviction of your heart that you serve like Jesus has modelled it for us. He says, Jesus took on the very nature of a servant. He disguised himself just like a regular man. And he says, he humbled himself ultimately to the death, to death on the cross. He literally laid his life down for us. That's some kind of servanthood. That's some kind of humility. Now you'll be relieved to hear that we won't necessarily all be called to lay down our lives like that. Um, I think that would probably be unhelpful if the church were to disappear like that. I think God has other plans for us. But we don't know. We don't know what we might be called to do. There are Christians all over the world that are literally laying down their lives at the moment. But we are all called to humble ourselves and to serve, to be ready at all times to take up the towel and the bowl, as one person calls it, to always have it to hand when the need arises. When you see the need, when you see the gap, when you see the opportunity to be willing to serve, And you know, this is not just about church. This is not just about setup on Sunday. This is not just about being on a rotor. To have a servant attitude is about every situation that we find ourselves in throughout life. You know, Jesus laid down his life for the sins of the whole world. It was while we were still enemies of God that he served us in that way. And so serving is an attitude that Jesus wants us to have in life, but we get to practice it here within the church. 
We get to practice serving. As it's the same with so many other things. We get to practice spiritual gifts here amongst our friends so that we can use them outside in our communities, that we can use them in our workplaces, our families and our communities. It's the same with serving. We get to serve. We get to take the culture, the good culture of what God is doing here out into our workplaces. So do you serve in your workplace? You know, one of the things I learned from church was hospitality. I love the way that people enter. We've just been out for a lovely meal with some lovely people in the church. Isn't hospitality wonderful? And I learned hospitality. I learned when you go to somebody's house, you take something with you through hospitality in the church. So I took it into the workplace. And so we were, I would take cakes in. I would take little treats in. I'd take things into my workplace as a sign of that kind of servanthood, serving people. No, I don't want any money for it. I just want to bless you, although I tried not to use that kind of language in the workplace. But do you understand? We get to learn here. We get to practice here so that we can take it out into our workplaces, into our communities, into our lives. That's why we have to serve here. But there are some risks in having a servant attitude. There's no doubt that such a willingness can leave us exposed and vulnerable to abuse and exploitation. Of course, this is possible. I mean, look at Jesus. (laughs) Look what happened to him. Look at Paul. Look what happened to him. Look at you. Look at me. We've all experienced these things to some degree. We've been abused or exploited. But is is that any reason not to serve? Why serve? Why do it? Why embrace this attitude? Jesus said it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross, that he literally laid down his life. Paul called it the prize. I'm going to talk about the prize and then we're going to come to an end. And this prize, many people think that it was Paul's love of the Olympics that inspired a whole load of passages that he wrote about, where he talked about running races, he, he talked about disciplining his body, straining for what is ahead. He was thought to be a great fan of the Olympics. The uh, writer and, and historian chap called John Pollock, if you've never read his book called Paul the Apostle, I'd recommend it. It's a really good read, it's not at all dry. Uh, he has done a lot of research into his background. He says, I reckon, he reckons that Paul was actually involved in the Olympics personally himself from historical records, that he was a wrestler. And that was part of the training he did. He was literally talking about how he trained himself to cope with some of the hardship that he knew he was going to have to face as a Christian. And so that's John Pollock, that's some of his ideas. And it's certainly, it's certainly the case that when you read Paul, you can understand, he, he seems to have an understanding of what motivated those athletes. In Philippians 3.14, he said, I press on toward the goal to win the prize to which, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Very Olympian kind of sports metaphors. The kind of motivations that Paul was saying, we need, if we're going to serve Jesus style, we need to have our eye on the prize. We need to know that God is going to reward us because we're not necessarily going to get the rewards here. 
So what prize is he talking about? Well, he's talking about the reward that Jesus has promised to all who embrace this form of servanthood. It came about one day when his disciples uh, were talking to Jesus, and what kind of reward are we going to get for everything that we've given up? You know, we've given up jobs, we've given up money, position, family, homes to follow you, Jesus. So what kind of, you know, reward are we going to get in your kingdom? Where are we going to sit? How close are we going to be to the throne? And some of us, you know, have given up careers, time, money and energy to serve Jesus and his church too. So the question is still relevant today. I don't know if you've ever said, why am I doing this? Oh, you're all so holy. (laughs) What is the point of this? Why am I doing this? Is it all worth it? And Jesus answered that question in Mark chapter 10. Let me just read that to you, because I sense that this is a really needy passage for us all. Mark chapter 10, 28 to 31. Peter said to him, We've left everything to follow you. I love the boldness and the brashness of Peter. He says, Jesus said in verse 29, I tell you the truth, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields and with them persecutions. (laughs) And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who will be first will be last, and the last first. I can't promise any gold medals to anybody here. Money, I can't promise that. Or even novelty prizes for serving at Jubilee. But we are determined to honour you and to thank you And I can also point to Jesus' guarantee, which is in writing here. Jesus offers the return of a hundred times more in the world to come than you've given or given up here. Every lift, think about it, every lift you've given a hundred times back, every gift you've given a hundred times back, every prayer you've prayed, every moment you've given, every meal that you've given a hundred times back, What motivates you to serve? We can have wrong motives or attitudes, some out of guilt, some out of pride, some out of even low self-esteem will serve, trying to gain favour or trying to feel like they fit in. The only right motivation is to be like Jesus and to have our eye on the goal, the prize of blessing in heaven. That's the only right motivation to have. So are you motivated to serve? It's amazing the number of reasons that we can think of not to serve. Ill health, work patterns, or even tiredness. And they may all be valid, okay? But When you consider Jesus' example of service to us which led to death, putting out a few cups on a tray is not a lot, really. 
Or if serving is not so much about what we do, but in our willingness to serve, our heart attitude, there aren't really many reasons we can come up with which preclude us from a life of service. If it's to do with a heart attitude that God wants us to have in life, then there aren't many reasons why we can't serve. So the question that each of us should be asking is, how shall I serve, not should I be serving? You knew I was getting there, didn't you? Well, do you know, at Jubilee, I'm proud to say that we've got a lot of people who readily and willingly serve us week after week, and not out of a sense of obligation or duty or for money. (laughs) That would be nice. But because they love us and they want to be like Jesus. And after hearing all that I've said, I, I know that you're absolutely gagging to know now what opportunities there might be for you to serve just that little bit more. Uh, to serve the people of God. So what I've asked is for each of the serving team leaders to come and talk to us about what they do and for also for them to boldly, brashly and unashamedly uh, share the needs that they have in that team and to try and recruit you, okay? So I hope that's all right. Um, but, you know, as they come up, I want us to thank them I'm being a bit jocular. My wife tells me off for being jocular, but I am very serious about this. I want us to thank people from the heart, and as they come up, and some of them have only just started serving in some of these roles, but I want us to thank them anyway in faith for all that is to come. And then at the end of their little uh, discussion with us, they are going to ask their teams to stand up, and as many as are here, because some of them are actually out there serving with our children, I want us to thank them too.